Welcome to Business of Design. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. The Business of Design podcast offers immediate, actionable strategies and a glimpse into some of the many field-tested, proven systems you can implement to transform your business and your life. After the show, head to businessofdesign.com and get started with the BOD 15-step project management strategy and six foundational programs. Together, they deliver the systems, procedures, and strategies you need to run a successful, highly profitable design business. There's no theory here. The complete BOD business model is yours through Business of Design membership. Business of Design. There's only one. And now, your BOD Advocate-in-Chief, Kimberly Selden. Hello, hello, you fabulous interior design professional. You are definitely in the right place because today we are going to talk about winning at project management. Now, I know a lot of you, maybe me too, feel like that's really the hard part of the job, isn't it? I mean, picking beautiful furniture and fabrics and accessories can be challenging at times, but mostly it's kind of a joy, at least for me. When it gets into those weekly site visits, managing the construction team, getting into it with your Tyler about how you're going to finish the edge of the shower when it meets the threshold, etc., it's less thrilling and less exciting. And that means it's even more important to get your process in order. And that's what we're going to talk about, how you can win at project management. We have an amazing guest. Her name is Alexandra Crevier. Her story includes not just a beeline to success, but a nasty bout with cancer. Thank goodness she's doing well. Her company has only been operating for three years. And during that time, she so dramatically transformed how it was going that her husband quit his job as well to join her. Both of them have this engineering background. It means they're analytical. And that is an amazing advantage in a variety of ways. One of them, and she'll talk about this about midway through the program, is their philosophy around the postmortem. They take this very seriously and they do a deep dive into every project, what worked and what didn't. And I love her process so much, I'm going to steal some of her good ideas. She also talks about an amazing software she uses called Asana. And we get a lot of people coming to BOD live events and asking us if we use that software. And Kylie Dean, who is a BOD boss member from Las Vegas, is going to be leading the BOD live talking about Asana. So if you're curious, make sure you're a member and make sure you join in on those BOD live meetings. They're so helpful and so informative. Alexandra is the owner and lead designer at Studio Crevier, and they are a design firm located in Montreal. Like I said, she's got an engineering background. She graduated in civil engineering, and she has been in construction management for over 12 years. She worked in Paris, Vancouver, Montreal. And in 2018, I said she was diagnosed with stage three cancer she decided to use that time to go back to school and that led her to start her own design business initially out of a spare bedroom. And a couple years later, they are now a five-person firm and studio and just no limit to what they're going to be able to accomplish and no limit to what you can accomplish. Oh my gosh, if you haven't been implementing up till now, this is a really good time to start. 
I think Alexandra will be pretty convincing. Episode 352, Winning at Project Management with Alexandra Crevier. And you're winning too, because you are not only going to get to hear this amazing episode, but you're going to get to hear from Cheryl Horn, which is always a win. Hey, Cheryl, what's going on at Business of Design? Well, I'm actually going to add to something that uh, you've already mentioned, which is BOD Live Managing Your Team with Asana. Uh, We didn't have complete details at the time this episode interview was recorded, um, but that uh, that BOD Live actually happened last week. But while you can't join us live, that recording is available within membership. BOD Live are monthly meetings. Uh, we cover dedicated topics, uh, sometimes bringing in experts or other members to share their expertise. It's a big part of what you get access to when you become a member of Business of Design. So if you're already a member or thinking about joining, sign up from your member dashboard. You're going to see BOD live in the sidebar menu. You can either click on past recordings. That's where you're going to find BOD live managing your team with Asana, which was led by the wonderful Kylie Dean, one of our boss members. And then you can also mark your calendar and join us for future ones coming up in December uh, on December 20th, rather at 1 p.m. EST. We're going to be talking about salary. So as you review uh, your P&L and your financials for the year end, you know, look at what Uh, you made this year? Was it more or less than you would have made as a senior designer working for somebody else? Why it's so important to pay yourself first, uh, not just out of profit at the end of the year, but treat yourself like an employee. Take a salary on a weekly, monthly basis, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, But we're going to have that conversation and check that out in the event section because we have assigned some homework. There's, There's, of course, a program that goes along with that and we want you to be prepared. If you're not yet a member, uh, but thinking about joining because you definitely want to get in on these BOD live meetings, I am doing another information session on December 7th at 1 p.m. EST. Again, that's just an opportunity to ask questions live. I'm always available for a phone call or email if you'd like, um, but I take those opportunities to actually do a walkthrough. I share my screen, show you what it looks like uh, behind the membership wall of businessofdesign.com and what you have access to, what the programs look like, how you track your progress, all things like that. And I'll also answer some of those uh, key questions that I get asked a lot. So uh, you do need to register to sign up. You'll get a Zoom link to join me for that. So all of this and more is available at businessofdesign.com. But by all means, if you have questions, you can reach out to me at any time, Cheryl at businessofdesign.com. Thanks so much. Alexandra, nice to meet you. Bonjour. Are you a French? Are you a French-speaking Canadian? I am. I have a very French last name. Less so. I'm definitely more Anglophone, but uh, my husband's perfectly bilingual. Oh gosh, I envy anybody who can be bilingual at all. I'm trying to learn Spanish. I for years I studied Spanish, and then I moved to Canada, and I thought I'm going to learn French and. When I was learning French, I translated everything into Spanish before translating into French, which made it just impossible. Plus, the accent is so difficult. Yes, that's for sure. It's so pretty um, and really nice to meet you. We connected when we were in Las Vegas in January for market. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I I don't know that we exactly knew what the topic of this podcast was going to be when we met. But I had the advantage of reading your show notes right before we t- hit record to do this interview. And 
Uh, I was surprised to learn that you were diagnosed with stage three cancer, and that has something to do with your story. So why don't you tell us how that impacted what you're doing today? Absolutely. Uh, Right after my first son was born, um, I was, uh, I guess, unfortunately diagnosed with, uh, with thyroid cancer, which is generally not that severe. A lot of the times, you know, you can get in line for surgery and uh, it's not a big deal. Um, Unfortunately, I had a very aggressive form of of, uh, thyroid cancer. I did genetic testing in the States. I was going back and forth in and out of the hospital. And um, all that to say, I was put on an emergency surgery list. The the cancer was growing right next to my bloodstream. So anyway, I found out that I had to go into isolation and do radiation and I'm not a huge TV watcher. I'm just, I just don't love TV. And I was thinking, what am I going to do with all this time? Because the newborn had to move out of the house and so did my husband while I was doing treatment. So I decided to go back to, to school and interior design just sort of for fun. And then you know how it goes, like you start doing your house and then neighbors and friends and family. And then before I knew it, I had a full-time job, um, a baby. I was got pregnant with my second and then I was working at night for clients. And then I decided to just go all in. Wow. Well, I'm sorry that that was the impetus for you becoming an interior design professional. You're cancer-free today? Yes, I am. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And your your family had to move out of the house while you were undergoing radiation treatment for their own health? Yes, exactly. Because I had to take, it's called radioactive iodine. So you're actually radioactive. It's a really weird experience leaving the hospital. They You have like a separate exit out of the hospital. You have to get in your car, go straight home. Um, I couldn't go near my front door. It was really odd. It felt like, in a you know, I was in a movie. Wow. And imagine that you had the foresight to think ahead and think, how am I going to use this time productively? I'm not, I feel like, I don't know, that's, that's pretty courageous. I think, I imagine I might curl up in a ball and, you know, just feel sorry for myself, but use the time so productively. I'm sure that speaks to your character. So your first background, your first career was not interior design. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I actually, um, I'm actually a civil engineer. So um, I I've loved structures, like I've always been really passionate with architecture structures, I always loved physics forces. Um, I love problem solving, I love when there's black and white, and, and there's, there's an answer, there's a solution, which is sort of funny, because it's really not it's kind of discouraging because a lot of creatives, I feel like stay up late and they're, you know, they're always going in different directions. And I feel like I'm the opposite. I'm so type A, like get me up at four 30. And um, so anyway, I, I started in civil engineering and really my passion wasn't just engineering. It was really project management. Like I love problems. I love dealing with stakeholders. I love communications and um, yeah, so it's kind of, uh, I, I'm definitely, I'm using that, you know, it's not like, I think people think like, oh, you work so hard in civil engineering and you're throwing it away. It's the opposite. Honestly, it's, it's been my greatest asset. Have you ever found yourself drowning in a sea of vendor logins, clicking through endless links and trying to keep tabs on all the orders for all your design projects? Well, say hello to Daniel House Club. They're not just any old club. They're founded by fellow designers who get us. They'll provide you with everything you need to manage your design business all in one place. Let Daniel House Club take the order logistics off your hands and handle the hassle. Matt lets you focus on what you do best, which is design beautiful spaces, right? Right. 
with the industry's lowest trade pricing and flat rate shipping, which is awesome, across top vendors like Forehands, Eichholz, and Korean Co., you can take control of your business and increase your bottom line while delivering exceptional value. Join as a Pro Plus member today and get 50% off your membership at danielhouse.club backslash BOD. And because this community is so important to Daniel House Club, they're extending another special offer. Top BOD customers on DHC currently have over $100,000 of furniture on each of their boards. Whether you've been on DHC for years or you're signing up today, add $10,000 worth of goods to your board. That's not a lot, right? And you will be emailed a $100 gift card to use on future orders. Thank you, Daniel House Club. We love that. I I can totally get why that would be a really important asset and how coming at the career of interior design is almost always benefited by not starting in a creative capacity, right? Some level of right, some level of business or some level of architecture and understanding structures and problem solving. I, I have to say, like I've never heard anyone say, I love project management. I just, I have never heard anyone say that. And so, wow, you really are special. (laughs) I now know how to manage projects and I can survive project management and it's not horrible, but I can't say it's the thing that gets me excited to get up in the morning. All right. So tell us then, now you've, you've got this career in interior design, which you've been doing for how long? So I've been doing it full time for about uh, three years now, like since I incorporated and opened my own business. And you started, I think you said, in a spare bedroom. And now you have five, a team of five. That's yeah. really fast track, really fast track. So you're clearly doing something right. What do you think in particular is the secret sauce when you blend those two brains together, that civil engineer brain and this desire to be creative and do, you know, the decorating side of things. How does that work? I think um, one thing I'll say is my husband quit his job and he joined the company um, last, it hasn't even been a year. So he joined last October and he's also an engineer. So Um, I don't know. It sounds funny, but I really think that we like engineers have like it's we have a different mindset, like the way we go about a problem. It's very methodical. Every project we do, we do a postmortem. What could we do better? How could we be smarter, faster, more efficient? And I think that we, you know, I love the creative side, but I as much I really love project management processes and just sort of perfecting how we do things. So I think it's it's really been that that's been our, our greatest asset finding like if we want to be the best, we want to get the best software out there, um, you know, and uh, I think sort of having that engineering background has really, you know, led us to to where we are today. I can see how all everything you're saying sounds like a dream partner that I would like to have. But I'm not wired that way at all. But to have somebody <laughs> in my corner who is wired that way is just so important. So your husband comes to the table as well. You really have thrown all your eggs into one basket. Oh, so, yeah. okay. So tell us what's going on in your design business. What are you guys doing right now? So we, so our passion is residential. I mean, I, I was on the commercial side and the corporate side for so many years. I love residential and I've realized why I love it. I just, I love dealing with stakeholders who are as passionate about their kitchen um, as I am, you know, so that's, we, we really stick to residential. Uh, that's really our bread and butter. 
Um, we do projects. We have a few projects in the States. Most of our projects are in Canada. We've done stuff in the Yukon. Um, and then we, we have projects on our, you know, in our, in our community, two minute drive from our studio. So, um, yeah, as long as it's residential and we really like turnkey, uh, and I mean that in terms of, like, I, I don't believe in too many chefs in the kitchen. So if we're taking a project on, project on, we always, you know, we always say as much as we are a design firm, we're really a project management firm first. So uh, that's sort of our, our direction. How do clients receive that information and what do they think that means? I think um, I think we try and be as as clear as possible, set expectations really early on. I think a lot of people are interested in the fact that we're engineers, um, especially because we do do uh, we do do decor projects. But I'd say the bread and butter of what we do, where we really shine, is really our our project management skills, construction. Um, you know, being able to like I used to design steel beams. You know, so for me, looking at shop drawings and technical drawings and specifications, it's really second nature for me. Um, so I think uh, I think clients really they feel confident with our with our background and um, and of course looking through our portfolio and I think they're really a lot of them are just really excited to dive in with us. Have there been any moments where the client hasn't quite understood what it would mean to be the project manager? What like if you had to educate your clients a little bit about the role you guys take on a project? Absolutely. I mean, especially in the beginning, you know, you know how it is when you're starting and you're, you know, people, people hear about you and you just, we were saying yes to everything, you know, which is obviously the number one mistake. And it's funny. I remember I listened to your podcast. I can't tell you how many episodes um, when I'd walk my son, you know, in his stroller and one thing stuck out, like you, you, you always said that, you know, you really have to vet your clients and, um, we went through the same growing pains and now we have a very, very, very strict vetting process. Um, and it's not to say that they're bad projects, but sometimes it's just not a fit for what we do. Right. Uh, yeah, I completely understand that. And part of, I guess, how you discern that or discover that is the postmortem that you perform at the end. So what does that process look like? Because I have a feeling a lot of people are skipping that because you're so busy, right? You're on to the next project. I know it's the easiest thing to say no to. Right. But it's arguably the most important. Like we'll even go as far as when we finish a job site, we'll bring the team on site, walk through and just say very candidly, like, what would we do next time? What could we have done better? Um, were there any vendors we weren't happy with? I mean, we really dive into the details. And then the way that it works is each project is run by one of our project managers and myself. We work very closely together. So the PM prepares a presentation for everyone in the studio. So even my husband, for example, who's not on the design team per se, it's important that he understands sort of what went wrong so that he can, you know, bring to the table better software or better solutions and a presentation, we take a good hour for each postmortem. We do a presentation of everything that not necessarily went wrong, but where we could have been better or, you know, what could we have done more efficiently next time? And the, the PM basically does a presentation internally. And then our larger projects, we ask, we actually ask some of our trades, like our GCs, our cabinet maker, if they have any suggestions, because you know, we we can be better internally, but if we're not doing something on our drawings and it's causing a lot of time loss on site for the contractor, we always tell them, you like, tell us how we can be better. How can we be smarter to make you guys more efficient? Oh my gosh, there's so many good things to dig in here. So you go and you actually go to the job site to, to walk through with your team. Yeah. 
uh, as a beginning of the postmortem, are the clients ever there? I would think no. Not. So they're no. they're not. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> they aren't. Um, well, that was a big screw up. I wish we hadn't <laughs> done that. <laughs> Won't do that, that again. Awful. Yeah. No. So the way that we do it is we have deficiencies as as you do. You know, we have deficiencies. That's obviously you know stuff that the client's privy to, and they're a part of it. What do we need to correct? When we go on site with our team, it's more internally. You know, how do you guys feel about this? What would you do next time? Would you change anything? And the reason we bring everyone is that we have two tiers of, of project management streams. So um, one of our PM, if it's her project, the other PM has no involvement on this project, but she can learn just Mm -hmm. as much as, you know, as we can. So uh, that's why we really go on site and sort of dig in. And that's why we do the presentation back at the studio. We have a big screen. We all sit around and we really dive into the details. And it's actually quite fun. I think that's a really important habit I would like to develop. There are times at the end of the job where something has gone wrong. And then I, I know that we have to do a postmortem and figure out how we're going to make sure that that never happens again. But between us, and I hope there's no clients listening, from time to time, I'll say, you know, I thought that was going to look great, but it's okay. Like, it's okay. You know, that's Absolutely. an embarrassing, that's an embarrassing thought. But the truth is I might repeat the mistake. If I don't really focus and pay attention to it and call it out and name it, I like the idea of preparing the presentation afterwards. So you said it only takes an hour, but you first you do this on-site meeting and then you come back to the studio and someone has to prepare a presentation. Oh yeah, for sure. So there's some hours that go into this final meeting where hopefully that final meeting cements these new thoughts for processes in everybody's minds. Is that the idea? Exactly. And it's a very efficient, like, obviously, there's creating the presentation, which obviously, you know, takes a lot more time. But the actual presentation itself, we try and cap it to an hour. Um, You know, like we have, I think, 22 jobs right now, you know, so we're, you know, you can't spend too much time for each one, but it's a very efficient meeting. We use Asana. So it's a great project management tool. So if ever it's like, okay, this height wasn't great, how could we make this better? It doesn't just die there. That task gets assigned to someone with a date, and we actually see see the full cycle. Um, so it's really sort of like an iterative process. Yeah. And what makes sense to me is then after that, you talked about the height of something not being right. That note gets translated into, we call it standards, standards of yes. practices kind of thing. So we remember from now on, remember, we don't like the sconces at this height. We like them at that yeah. height. Exactly. Wow, that is so mature and sophisticated. I really, I mean that. That's re- that's really great. And I think sometimes you said arguably one of the best practices, and I would say that that could be true. You have this kind of um, I'm going to use the word rigid, but that's that seems too strong. Formal process for <laughs> review following a project, which I think is amazing. Are there other areas? I'm just going to assume the answer is yes. There are other areas where you bring a kind of formality to your projects. Can you think of some of those areas and what that looks like? Absolutely. So um, I actually worked for CN before I started my own firm. So I was, um, you know, I was working on very large projects. The last project I did was an $8 million million renovation. Um, You know, we had to go to the board of directors. Um, We would receive bids from contractors, you know, uh, obviously public companies. So the bids would come in in an envelope at 8 p.m. You know, we had to have two people there to sign off that all the numbers were, were correct. And so 
it's funny. I sort of, it, it seems like a very heavy process, but I've sort of taken that whole bid analysis and brought it to the residential sector. Um, it's, I'd say it's less formal and less heavy, but honestly, the, the principles are the same. And I think the client really appreciates it because at the end of the day, if a client's hiring us, we do the design, like we break up our projects into design phase and implementation phase. And at the end of the day, um, we're really there to work for the client. So I think that clients really appreciate that. If we're going to do a bid walk, if we're going to do a bid review, um, you know, we make sure the GC sharpens their pencils, our vendors, or, you know, I know the approximate cost per linear foot of cabinetry, cost of demolition, and so on and so forth. So we really want to make sure that we're working for the client. And I think bringing in that formality of doing formal bid walks and formal bid reviews, um, yeah, it just gives the client more confidence to, to move forward with the construction phase because, you know, you can be talking about two, three, four, five, $1 million projects, like they're, they're big projects. Yeah, they, they are. And I mean, it could be a much smaller number. It could be $48,000 project, but to that client, it's a really, that's a lot of money and it's a big deal. So, um, one of the, well, how do you put this? One of the challenges with some of the listeners is let's say they're new to business and their projects are much, much smaller. There's this idea that, you know, I don't, I don't really have to worry about all that kind of stuff because my projects are smaller. But in point of fact, what I've found is small projects are more challenging than big projects. There's nowhere to hide in a small project. When something goes wrong, that's $3,000. It matters a lot in a small project, right? In a $10 million project, eh, who cares? It's not that big of a deal. But in a, right, it's kind of like a small space. There's nowhere to hide the sofa that's the wrong size and the wrong color. So if you're running smaller projects, meaning a smaller dollar amount or a smaller number of square feet, that doesn't let you off the hook from relying on the systems that will get you to the finish line and and produce quality work. Absolutely. Even we even say like even our decor projects, you know, those are really fun because they're quicker turnaround. They're very creative, but we have the exact same process. So Mm -hmm. even if we're not excavating the soil and we're sourcing pillows, we still do the same presentations. We still send out the same milestone dates. We still have the same, you know, client communications. Um, Because like you said, that was, I like that. It's whether it's a $40,000 project or a $2 million project, it's still the client's harder earn money. Um, and it's still our job to, you know, to manage the project in, in the best way possible. One of the challenges for me when I went from running a kind of loosey goosey creative, like everything I do is kind of magic, you know, kind of when I stopped running projects like that, which by the way, the clients hated FYI, <laughs> your clients don't want magic. They really just want results. So like put a pin in it, fancy Nancy. Right? <laughs> anyway. Um, one of the one of the challenges for me then is I became sort of robotic and 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 um standoffish is not the right word but I I didn't want to cross the boundary from from professional to friend and so I became a little bit more stern and unapproachable which doesn't work either there's this fine line right where you want to run this formal business but you want to have a pulse you want, you know you want you want your clients to think, to think you're a decent human being and there's a fun side of you as well like do you have that problem i would think two engineers you guys could be kind of earnest you know what's funny we have when we started the company one of the things we did um because 
full transparency. Hiring was really tough for us. I think that was the hardest thing that we went through. I guess it's it's different for everyone. Um, and so we, anyway, we got a business coach and we really got serious with who we are, what's our big, hairy, audacious goal, what are our core values. And so one of the core values that we have, and it touches on what you just said, was actually um, professional doesn't have to be boring. And I just loved that because it just opened up like I love having fun with clients we love laughing we have great clients great great relationships with our vendors so it just really allowed me to say you know what I can be very you know I am I'm very rigid in, in how I do things and everything is very methodical and um you know I'm pretty heavy on project management and organization but it also doesn't mean that we can't go in there and laugh our heads off and have a good time so I just love that you said that because it sort of touches on who we are as a design firm. It's really hard sometimes to get the balance just right. You know, I had to swing from one side of the pendulum to the other. Yeah. And, and only now do I kind of feel like I'm there. And I, and I also feel like once a project is finished, if this seems like, if this client seems like someone I want to hang out with and be friends with, that's okay. It can happen yeah. now because the job yeah. is done. Yes. And, you know, and so there are clients I've kind of begun to develop a friendship with, but when they Which hire nice. me again, yeah. But when they hire me again, it's like back to business. Yeah. Like, you know, this is my trade. This is my you know, craft. I don't, give, I don't give the craft away, not for friends and not for clients, because it, it just doesn't work. I've tried, right? And especially, I, and I'm sure you know, especially in interior design, you know, it's like, it's one thing if you're a doctor or a lawyer, you know, there's, there's that level of formality. I think a lot of people think of interior design as Oh, like come over on the weekend and check this out or eight o'clock at night and sending texts. And so I think that's been hard for, for me is really defining. And we've put that in our letter of agreement, but really like these are our hours of operation. We're a professional firm, just like any other firm out there in any other industry. And clients respect that, I think. And they will follow the rules Absolutely. that you give them if you give them the rules up front. Yeah. I often end up um, coaching professional designers who are so talented. Like you look at their websites, the work is spectacular. Uh, by any measure of success, everybody thinks they're killing it. And yet they begin a project and they haven't given the client the rules for behavior. And they've allowed certain things to go on for weeks and weeks and months. And it's really hard to get it back. Once you let it go. So I find like those clean, rigid boundaries at the beginning are yep. so important. And and the clients, like you said, they're, they're, they're so receptive to it. They, they, they have no bad intention. Like you said, if anything, like it was on me for not, you know, not sort of, um, you know, making sure that these were followed yeah. and clients are so open to it and like, okay, they perfectly understand, you know, and like, please no text everything by email so that we can track it properly. And they're very receptive to it. Yeah. Not every client is going to love the way that you operate, Alexandra. Not every client loves the way I operate. For some people, they're like, I thought this was going to be like more like we go shopping together. I, you know, that's not my client. And that's okay because there's probably yeah. a professional just right for them. But Absolutely. it is important to know who your client is. Absolutely. And that's, that's kind of why we do these discovery calls too at the start of the process, because not only do we want to see if they're a fit, but it, it goes both ways, you know, like we, we want to see that they're a good fit for us and vice versa. And like you said, it's not that it's a bad project. It's just, it, it may not be a project that's good for us. You know, they might be better suited to go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. What are you guys excited about? You're, you're three in business and what are you looking forward to? 
Um, honestly, just the future. I mean, we're, we're excited for, for where we're heading. We have goals, you know, with, with how we see the team growing in the next few years. Um, we definitely don't, you know, I think we're, we're sort of inundated with projects right now, which is exciting, but I'm also hesitant. I don't want to hire too quickly. I just want to make sure that we're delivering fantastic value with the clients that we have. Um, and we're just hitting a really, really good, uh, a good cadence, which is nice. Love that. What would you say to that person listening who's not a civil engineer by yeah. by training, <laughs> who's not used to um, process and systems, who who like I thought when I first started out, that's terrible. I don't want to be like a Starbucks. Every project is unique. Every client is unique. I don't want to produce a cappuccino the same way every time. Oh shoot, my phone just rang. We'll we'll ignore that. I'll stop in a second. But anyway, what would you say to that person in terms of a, an initial system that really might change their life? So honestly, for me, it was podcasts. You know, it's it's intimidating to jump into to any profession. It's it's overwhelming. I think the advice you hear all the time, and I would say that too, is just jump in. There's never there's never a good time. The good time is when you want to do it, you know? So just jump in and um, like there were three podcasts, yours was one of them that I just listened to religiously when I was walking, driving, and the knowledge that I was absorbing. Um, it just that really gave me the confidence to say, you know what, I'm going to do this. Like even your, you had one, I don't know if you remember, but it was on invoicing and tracking like MC was meeting in correspondence and S was sourcing. And I went home and I remember I was on the floor with my baby and I was jotting these things down on a post-it and Fast forward to today, we still use that for all of our invoicing. So, you know, just constantly educate yourself. And I think podcasts are the best way to do it. There's something really personal about them, right? Like you kind of feel like you get to know the person behind the microphone and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. All right. You know, we like to end every episode with design intervention. What comes to mind? Just a great piece of advice you want to leave the listeners with. Um, I would say, so I always say get curious. That's one thing. And um, we see such a big gap in the design. There's sort of the design world. And then there's what happens on site on the construction site. And I really think and I encourage designers out there to really bridge the gap. So go on site, get a pair of steel toes, ask your GC how something works, ask the electrician, what does this red wire do? And I think getting curious, it just opens the door. There are no silly questions. And it'll just give you the confidence and every time you learn something um yeah you're just increasing your 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 bank of knowledge which will just empower you for future projects such good advice well i can't imagine where you guys are going to be in another three years and another three years and another three years because you're just killing it and i'm so happy for you that's amazing Thank you so much. And again, really, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, really, your podcast was was everything. And uh, I love that it's so raw. So, um, you know, there, you, it's not just fluff, you really dig into it, you talk about the good and the bad. And I, I love that to this day, I'm always quoting some of your stuff to, uh, to our team. So thank mm-hmm. you for, for doing your podcast as That's well. So sweet of you. All right, well, hopefully, we'll hang out again one day. I'd love to come to Montreal. I have a girlfriend who lives there, and I haven't seen her in a while. So soon absolutely come visit our studio i'd love to (laughs) all right you be well stay healthy will you thank you kimberly take care thanks for listening 
and supporting the BOD mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. If you're ready to implement an exact business model for running a streamlined, profitable business, field tested by thousands of design professionals around the world, head to businessofdesign.com and get started today. It's time to dramatically improve your business and transform your life.